Today, we're going to tackle a delicate subject, which I have dubbed Author Fade. What is Author Fade? How do you recognize it? And how do you avoid it or recover from it? These questions and more in episode 49 of Writing Pursuits. Welcome to the Writing Pursuits podcast, where authors like you discuss writing craft, author life, and book marketing strategies. I'm your host, Catherine McKee. I own Writing Pursuits and write and produce the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits Tips for Authors. In addition, I am a speculative fiction author. Writing Pursuits is for authors who drink too much coffee, endure judgmental looks from their furry writing companions, and struggle for words. If you are a writer seeking encouragement, information, and inspiration, this podcast is for you. Let's get to it. Hey, Writing Pursuits authors. Welcome back to the podcast. To those of you who are new, I want to extend a special welcome. My name is Catherine McKee, and I'm glad you're here. You may have guessed that this topic concerns a personal struggle of mine. And I'm going to get a little preachy, but remember that I'm kind of preaching to myself. Recently, I have been fighting against what is known as pod fade, which is defined by the Urban Dictionary in this way. When a podcast begins putting out episodes more and more sporadically and at greater intervals, typically begins with only one episode missed. But if a podcast isn't careful, it can compound, sometimes as severely as one podcast every other month. Pod fade often leads to podcast death. So this gave me the idea for discussing author fade, which is also something I struggle with. I think there's a pattern here. We can define author fade as an indefinite pause in writing activity. Author fade often leads to writing death. Obviously, you don't die, but as a writer, your work stops. So it's writing death. How do you recognize author fade? I'm not talking about everyone you've ever met who, when you tell them you're writing, they'll tell you they hope to write a book someday. You know, the typical would-be author begins, but they never finish their first story. So I'm not talking to those of you who've completed a book, published or not. You're still in an elite group. But I want you to know that many serious, mature writers experience author fade. This starts with missing a scheduled day of writing, and then it becomes a week, and then it becomes a month, which turns into a year of not writing, maybe years of not writing. Author fade can begin at any time, even after an author has published several books. Remember, I said this was a personal topic for me. The author simply fades away. They don't publish. They stop sitting down to write. They're filled with regret. Be alert to the symptoms. And they kind of go like this. Author fade is not usually intentional. It generally is accompanied by loads of guilt. Author fade often involves false promises. Ah, we'll start again tomorrow or next year or when the kids get a little older. I've heard all of those from my clients. Common excuses are, I don't have the time to write. Nobody's going to read my book work anyway. Or I'm not good at spelling and grammar. Or My family doesn't understand or support my writing. They haven't read even one of my books, and they think my writing is just a hobby. I'm going to preach a little bit. Monitor your self-talk. Let's stop making writing excuses. Life is what it is. Set aside the excuses and the things you tell yourself, the lies you tell yourself. If you catch yourself whining or making writing excuses, you need to stop and reframe 
the words you're using about yourself and to yourself. Your self-talk can be toxic, so you must control what you tell yourself. I don't have the time to write needs to become, I can find the time to write. Reframe, rephrase what you're telling yourself. Nobody's going to read my work anyway should become something like, I. all I need to do is find 1,000 true fans. There is an audience for my work. I'm not good at spelling and grammar because I can work with an editor to take care of the nitty gritty details. Hey guys, that's why I'm here. I'm an editor. You can turn over your terrible spelling and grammar to me and we can work through it. And finally, my family doesn't understand or support my writing. And that's okay because that's a common experience among creatives. Just tell yourself that. It is okay that they don't understand. It is okay that they don't support your writing. You just need to do what you need to do. Massive action is not the best way for most people to overcome author fate. That's another thing we need to accept. In every work life, some urgency must fall. There is a time, usually at the end of a project, when you have to push yourself. You know, like when I was a programmer, somehow the week before a new change went in to the software app, man, I'm telling you, the the programming team would get three times the usual amount of work done. It's just a fact of life. There's a time to push, but you cannot push all the time. Writing books is a marathon, especially if you intend to write books from now on. You will burn out if you take massive action all the time. And if you take massive action 24-7, 365, inevitably the other shoe is going to drop. Your relationships will suffer. Your health will suffer. You'll learn to hate writing, which is like the worst consequence of all. That's terrible. Also, stop comparing yourself. This is the last thing. Also, stop comparing your results to others' results. You don't know their life. You have no idea what is going on there. It is useless to compare your beginning with someone else's middle and comparison kills writing motivation. Instead, we're going to look at five things you can do to avoid or overcome author fade. And those are vision, habits, increments, measurement, and accountability. Use those things to pace yourself and keep moving forward. So the first step is vision. Create an author mission statement. If you don't already have an author mission statement, then you need to write one today. Like create one right away. Vision combines self-knowledge, dreams, your goals, your motivations. And a lot of people set out on the writing road without figuring out why they want to write or where they hope to end up. If you don't understand your why, your energy is going to dry up. But if you take time to figure out your reasons why and write them down, then you can turn your dreams into goals and stay motivated. You need to know why you're writing. Who do you hope to touch with your work? Who will benefit from all of your efforts? What do you hope to accomplish? How do you see yourself? Or where do you see yourself in five years? Visualize those things and put it into your author mission statement. Your heart needs to be involved. You need an emotional connection to your writing goals. No matter what you write, I don't care if you're writing fiction or nonfiction, epic novels, ghostwriting, articles, blog posts, or even tweets. 
you will be more likely to succeed if you know your reason why and have a heartfelt reason for putting yourself through the ordeal because writing is hard work. So write your vision down. Your written vision statements will help you remember your reasons why. Put them in a place where you can review them often and feel free to modify them as you gain experience. Visions don't stay the same. They will change over time. But if you have it written down, then you have a place to start. Vision is the key to long-term motivation and to moving forward. So think about where you want to be in five years in the future and then kind of work back to four years, to three years, two years, one year, to the next month, and then set reasonable, actionable goals for what you need to do next. The next step or prong of attack is habits. Create strong habits to combat author fade. If you want to create good writing habits, then you need to create a system to support them. I love the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Clear writes about the four laws of behavior change, and they are make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. Obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying. Let's take a single example. If you want to form a daily journaling habit, then set up a system to make that happen. To make journaling obvious, you might set out your pen and notebook where you drink your morning coffee. It's obvious. It's right there. That's where you're going to write every day. Then schedule 15 minutes every day with a reminder on your phone to do it. Then keep the appointment with yourself. Those appointments with yourself are as important as every other appointment you make. Maybe more important. To make your new habit attractive, maybe you can get a beautiful new notebook and a pen to use or find an app you enjoy using. Make it attractive to yourself. Make it enjoyable. Okay, to make journaling easy, limit yourself by time or space. This seems counterintuitive, but if you know journaling will take no more than 15 minutes, or you're only going to write a single page of words every day, then you're more likely to succeed. You can do anything for 15 minutes, right? By limiting that amount of time or space, you're telling yourself, hey, this is easy. I can do this. Now you have a doable task. And tomorrow, you'll know you can do it. And the next day and the next, meet your tiny atomic goal and stop. Rinse and repeat. That's how a new habit is formed. To make it satisfying, keep score in some way. More about that in a minute. This habit forming process works with other writing tasks too. Schedule the time, show up, Limit yourself by time or word count and keep score. And of course, if you're feeling great about what you're doing, continue. But on the days when you don't feel so great about it, by limiting your time or your uh, space, you make it doable and you know you can do it and you just sit down and make yourself do that little short thing. The tiny atomic goal is met. For bigger, more complicated writing projects, you're going to need more than habit to avoid author fade. And that's where increments come in. You need vision first. You must commit to forming habits, but habits and goals need to be broken into incremental steps for bigger projects. Then you concentrate on the increments one at a time. Another book I recommend is The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. If you are puzzled by what to do next, then use Keller's technique that he calls the focusing question. And it is, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, 
everything else will be easier or unnecessary. This focuses you on something you can do in the moment to move you forward. You can modify this question for each area of your life. In your case, it might be for this novel, what is the one thing I can do this week such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. Perhaps the best focus of your efforts this week is figuring out the system of magic for your epic fantasy novel or writing the introduction for a character or finishing chapter 12, whatever it is, that's your one thing. Keep your efforts incremental so you don't fall victim to overwhelm and let author fade get a foothold. You have your author mission statement written. You have formed new habits that you have broken into increments. But how do you make those changes permanent to avoid author fade? Answers to these questions in a moment. Writing Pursuits is run by Catherine McKee, who has been trusted by fiction authors since 2014 to take their writing to a new level of excellence. Catherine is a three-story method certified editor who specializes in story diagnostics, coaching, and line editing to help you prepare your story for the journey ahead. For more information, go to writingpursuits.com. The link is in the show notes. And now, back to the podcast. Measurement. Beat author fade with scorekeeping. Now that you have your vision written down and your habits and your increments, you need to measure your results. Measurement is the piece I have the most trouble with. I'm being honest here, but all you need is a spreadsheet or a piece of paper for simple scorekeeping. Measurement keeps you honest. All you're doing is collecting data to adjust your efforts, refining your goals and keeping things real. Measurement is fun. You can gamify your efforts by keeping score. You're playing against yourself, your best scores, while you meet your goals and work toward rewards. And then make sure you celebrate victories and reward yourself along the way. Measurement is the key to tracking your progress. You guessed it, I'm going to recommend another book. The 12-Week Year for Writers by Egg Trevor Thrall. His book is an expansion on another great book, The 12-Week Year by Brian P. Moran and Michael Lennington. But Thrall's book is specifically for writers, and I found it very helpful. Thrall discusses measurement in detail. But basically, you decide what the measurement is going to be and keep score. So, did you write in your journal today? Yes or no? Mark it down. If you have set the bar at seven times per week and you do it six times, then at the end of the week, you have an 85% success rate. That's your score. Measurement provides data for success. Getting a 100% success rate for the week is not always necessary, but if you fall below 80%, you probably need to make an adjustment somewhere. As you can tell, this feeds perfectly into creating habits. Scorekeeping is itself a habit. So make it as obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying as possible. Keep your scorecard handy. Schedule your scorekeeping and keep your appointment. In education, we call this reflection, an important part of learning that is often neglected. So make a scorecard and schedule your reflection time just a few minutes every week to record your data and reflect on how to improve. The last step is accountability, and it isn't what you think it is. And I'm going to have trouble with the word accountability, so just bear with me. I think people, and especially Americans, get accountability all wrong. We have the saying in America, especially, hold people accountable. 
And in my opinion, that's garbage. Moran and Lennington address this in their book, The 12-Week Year, and I'm going to quote that, Accountability is something we own. It cannot be impressed on us by others or impressed on others by us. And I know I'm going to get pushback on this. Accountability means taking ownership. It must be intrinsic to be effective. Intrinsic means the motivation comes from the inside. If what we think of as accountability is extrinsic, coming from the outside, then we are actually talking about consequences. Accountability is intrinsic. Consequences are extrinsic. You may think this is purely semantics, but when I was a public school teacher, I had to apply penalties and rewards for the actions my students chose to take. If they did the work, They earned the positive benefits. If they didn't do the work, then they faced negative consequences. But these consequences, both positive and negative, were extrinsic, which means I applied them to the students from the outside. Consequences are only effective for a short time. True success comes from intrinsic accountability. Accountability means taking ownership. If a student is self-motivated, that means they have taken ownership and they are accountable to themselves. If an author is self-motivated, that means they have taken ownership and they are accountable to themselves. They are calling the shots. They are determining their success. They are making a commitment to themselves. Accountability means taking ownership. Ownership cannot come from the outside. It has to come. It must come from inside a person. Okay, I said all that to say this. It helps to report your results to others on a regular basis. And that's where accountability groups come in. Just knowing you are scheduled to report your results to others helps you get things done because you want to feel good about your report, right? There's that satisfaction thing again. So find a group of like-minded accountable people who also need to report their results. And if you can't find a group, make a group. Having an accountability group is a proven technique for staying on point with your goals. I have a warning about these groups though. Your accountability group members are not, quote, holding you accountable, unquote. They are there to report the results. The group should not exist to punish you or to reward you. And if they believe that providing consequences is their job, you need to find another group. Find or organize an accountability group. Group members can also ask questions and offer suggestions or mention resources. The reward, if you call it that, is for you to experience the satisfaction of reporting good results as measured by yourself against your own standards. An accountability group with regular check-in times provides several key benefits, doing things together, motivation, learning by observing others, feedback, some gentle critique, and structure. So take accountability for your work and join a group for all its potential benefits or form one of your own. In conclusion, if you have faded, recommit. Find your reasons why. Keep score. Hold yourself accountable with the help of a group and make incremental steps that add up to habits that will ultimately lead to success as you define it. So the question of the week is, do you have tips and tricks for overcoming author fade? Help others by leaving your answers in the comments at writingpursuits.com forward slash podcast forward slash 49. That's all I have for today. Until next time, keep writing. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and follow the podcast. If you're new around here, I hope you will sign up for the weekly newsletter, Writing Pursuits Tips for Authors. That link and all the links mentioned in today's episode are in the show notes at writingpursuits.com. Please join us on Wednesdays for new episodes and keep writing, my friends. Keep writing. Keep writing.